verse 3. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. Verse 4. And Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord. Even out of all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Verse 5 through 13, we see Jehoshaphat's prayer. Verse 5 says, And Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judah and Jerusalem, in the house of the Lord before the new court, and said, verse 6, O Lord God of our fathers, art not thou God in heaven? And ruleth not thou over all the kingdoms of the heathen? And in thy hand is there not power and might, so that none is able to withstand thee? Verse 12, our God, will thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us. That's honesty. Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. That sounds like us, right? Whew. 13, and all Judah, all the church, the sanctuary, the palm beaches, praise God, stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. Verse 14, then upon Jehaziel came the spirit of the Lord in the midst of the congregation, in the church service. Verse 15, and he said, thus says the Lord unto you, be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. The word speaks. Verse 16, he says this. Tomorrow, not next week, tomorrow, go ye down against them. Verse 17, you shall not need to fight in this battle. He says, set yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord with you. Fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. 18 and 19. And Jehoshaphat, after hearing the word, it says he bowed his head with his face to the ground, worshiping the Lord, worshiping Jesus. And the Levites and the children of the Korahites and of the children of the Korites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with a loud voice on high. And verse 20 says, and they rose early in the morning. They didn't sleep in the next day. They got up early in the morning and went forth. Obedience is better than sacrifice. And it says, Jehoshaphat stood and said, and hear this word, believe in the Lord your God, so shall ye be established. Believe his prophets, the man of God, the pastor, the apostle, the evangelist, so shall ye prosper. Second Chronicles 20, 21 and 22. And it says that he appointed singers unto the Lord. He didn't appoint men of war. He appointed singers unto the Lord. And that should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army. And to say this, praise the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. 22. And when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushments 
against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, which were come against Judah. Tell the enemy, don't come against my praise. You're not strong enough. Hallelujah. When we praise, God hears. When we praise, God is magnified. And nothing can stop my praise. In Jesus' name, praise God. And it says that the enemy was smitten. And, verse, and, and then, really, after that, we see Jehoshaphat and the people, they spoil the enemy for three days straight because the scripture declares that there was an abundance of riches. God fought, but they received the benefits. God was the one that sent the ambush, ambushment, but the people of God received the reward. What a gracious God. What, what does God need anyway? He has everything. Amen. And in closing, verse 29 and 30. And the fear of God was on all the kingdom, kingdoms of those countries. And when they had heard that the Lord fought against the enemies of Israel, it says, so the realm of Jehoshaphat was quiet, for his God gave him rest round about. I think we can leave now, right? Go home. Praise God. That's enough. Jesus. Mm. Praise God. Today's message is this. It's a message from the Lord. Not a sermon. It's a message. A message to you who are going through. A message to you today, to me, who need a word of encouragement. Some of you pray, God, I need a word. I need a word. Because we understand the power of the word. And the title of this message is The Standoff. Look to your neighbor and say, stand. Come on, look to your neighbor and say, stand. No matter what, stand. God is with you, stand. Be strong in the power of his might. Stand and see the salvation of your God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we magnify you, God. We stand in your truth, Lord. We stand in your protection. We stand, Lord God, in your provision. We stand in your word. You are the God of Israel. You are the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But you are my God. And today, God, we acknowledge you, Lord. And we stand up, Lord, in the congregation. And we give you praise. And we say we will stand. We will stand for truth. We will stand for the name of Jesus Christ, no matter what. In Jesus' name. And the church says what? Amen. You may be seated. The anointing is here. God is here. John 1.1. 1, 1. We all know it. It says, and I read, In the beginning, everybody say beginning, was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. I want to emphasize a key word in it. In this verse, that's very important. And that word is beginning. It says, in the beginning. That word beginning in the Greek is arche. And it means beginning and origin. And we know that. But there's a deeper revelation of that word concerning our God, Jesus Christ. 
And it's this. It says that it's the first place of a principality, a rule, a magistrate. Speaking of angels and demons. Why is that important? Because in our culture, we feel and we learn sometimes that God and the enemy are competing. That God, Jesus Christ, and Satan are equal. And they're fighting a battle. But this morning, I want to declare to you that in the beginning, first place over all things is God. God and Satan are not in a war. The Bible declares that we, the people of God, wrestle against flesh and blood. But God wrestles with no one. God wrestles with no spirit. With no angel or demon. No man, no ruler. God is God all by himself. And if we get God's attention and he decides to bless us, no one can curse. Can I get an amen? Hallelujah. He is God and God alone. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 16 and 17, it reads, For by him, Jesus, were all things created. If it's a thing, he made it. That are in heaven, things that we don't know about, he made. That are in earth, visible and invisible. That means natural and spiritual. Seen and unseen, he rules it all. Whether they be thrones, he made it. Or dominions, he made it. Or principalities or powers, he made it. All things, hallelujah, were created by him and for him. The music we sing, the, 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 the things that we enjoy were made by him and for him. And that's why he wants us to use the things on, on the earth according to his word and not to abuse it. That's a side, side note. And 17 says this, and he is before all things. And by him, all things consist, meaning all things exist because he is. If God was to leave us, all things would be gone. But he is the energy, the life of all living things in heaven and in earth. Can we get an amen for that? <laughs> Praise God. It's important to know that because when we have a, a, a correct perspective of who Jesus is, when we enter into warfare and, 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 and battle and trials, and we know that this one who's above all things, in all things, is on our side, it makes the journey a little easier, a little easier. But if we feel that God is competing with another, with another entity, then it's a chance that he could lose. So therefore, our trust in him is not strong. But God wants us to know that he is, and him alone is God. Amen. You see, the theme of the entire Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, is Jesus Christ. It's all about him. As a matter of fact, Jesus speaking to religious leaders pointed out that the Old Testament writings that they preached all testified of him. We see it in John, John chapter 5, verse 39. It says, search the scriptures, speaking to the Pharisees. You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And they are they which testify of me. The entire Bible is about Jesus. All 66 books is about him. Forty writers, but one author, which is the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ. 
The word of God is filled of typologies and encouragement that Jesus Christ want, wants us to know. Today the Lord wants you to know that he is for you and that he will never leave you nor forsake you. So we come now to our, our text. We come to the book of Chronicles. So now knowing that the book or the Bible is about, is about him, we come to this section of the Bible and, and, and we see this. Well, I saw this myself, I should say. The theme of Chronicles, if you really look into it and read it, you'll notice that the theme is one thing. It's the worship of the one true and living God. That's the theme of Chronicles. I know we see, a, lot, we see a, um, a whole lot of political moves in Chronicles. We see kings rise up and kings fall and, and we see, um, you know, temples being built and, and took down. But really, if you look deeper into the scripture, Chronicles is about the one true and living God. And the thrust of Chronicles is that if we will seek him, with all of our heart, we will find him. When the leadership, the kings, sought the Lord and taught the nation to do the same, God was found by them. And God was with them. And there was peace in the land. Proverbs 16, 7 says this. When a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. That's a promise of God. He says, when you please me, I will make even your enemies be at peace with you. They will be subject to you through my authority because you please me. When the Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength, it's saying that when God has joy, his people are strengthened. When we please the Lord by faith and we believe him, he is pleased with us. And everything has to submit to God when he's pleased. No matter if we're guilty or not, in Jesus' name, God will make the enemy be at peace with you. So we see Jehoshaphat in this scripture. This narrative is about Jehoshaphat, or is it? Jehoshaphat, we see, becomes king and seeks the Lord and immediately moves forward to tear down the institution of false religion. A good leader will always do that. A good leader will always preserve the doctrine of Jesus Christ. A good leader will always preserve truth. Amen? Amen. Yes. We need good leadership. So God blesses him and he prospers. When you are zealous for God according to knowledge, God will bless you. He will feed you. He will protect you. He will answer your, 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 your needs and your prayers. When you please the Lord and seek after him and him alone hard, with all of your heart, God will prosper you. If you're here today, you have no job and, 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 and you feel down and hopeless and you can't figure out what to do, here's a small nugget. Worship God. Seek him. Turn the computer off for a while. Put the phone down. And seek God and watch him work in your life. You'll see how fast doors will open up for you. Doors that you could open yourself. God will open them for you and lead you in as a good shepherd. But some years into his administration, talk about Jehoshaphat, 
He makes an alliance with wicked wicked Ahab and gets rebuked for it. But God shows him mercy. We see this in um, chapter 19, same book, verse 2 and 3. And it says, And Jehu, the son of Hanani, the seer, went out to meet him and said to King Jehoshaphat, Shouldest thou help the ungodly and love them that hate the Lord? That's a good question. Therefore is the wrath upon thee from before the Lord. Nevertheless, he says, there is good things found in thee, in that thou hast taken away the groves of the land and hast prepared thy heart to seek God. Afterwards, we see Jehoshaphat establish godly leadership in all the cities of Judah. He also strengthens the leadership in Jerusalem. He was a good leader. When God rebuked him, but then encouraged him, he humbled himself. Not like his father Asa. Asa, when the prophet came and rebuked him, he locked him up in jail and persecuted the people. And he died. But his son Josephat, when he heard the rebuke, he took it in and said, okay, God, I'm going to do better. And he put Bible studies and, and church plants, praise God, and connect groups all throughout Judah. He taught the judges, judges, I want you to be faithful in teaching the people to serve God. Do it with all your heart. Then he went to Jerusalem, the capital of Judah, and he established good government and told the Levites and the priests, we're going to serve God because God is merciful to us. A good leader is a good thing. Proverbs 29.2 says this, when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked beareth rule, the people mourn. They say the best leadership is one good man ruling the nation. And how many of you know that God, Jesus Christ, who makes intercession between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, is our leader? Do you know that? He is our leader. We're not of this world. He calls us ambassadors of the kingdom. And he is our leader. And we right now should give God a praise for good leadership. Come on. Hallelujah, Jesus. He's a good king. And I thank God for good under-shepherds like Pastor Kyle, good leadership who loves the people, who don't make merchandise of the people, but wants to see the people prosper, wants to see the people healed. Hallelujah. A man of God who preaches the word of God and inspires all the ministers here in the church to to, to, um, do the same. Praise God. So now we come to our text. We come to Chronicles 20 and verse 1. You ready? And it says here, and it came to pass after this also. After what? What I just told you. It says that the children of Moab... And the children of Ammon, and with them other besides the Ammonites, came against Jehoshaphat to battle. Isn't it funny that when the enemy is coming against you, he'll recruit people that don't even know you to come fight you? All of a sudden, all hell is breaking loose. And you're like, what's going on? The enemy literally recruited people to come against the man of God and nation of Israel, the church. That's crazy. And it says something here. It says in verse 3 that, and Jehoshaphat feared. He was fearful. 
Because fear is a natural human response. You see, fear is not an evil thing if it does not lead you away from God. Fear is wicked and evil when it leads you away from God and you look for strength or help in Egypt, in the world. That's when fear becomes an abomination or a wicked thing, a sin. The Bible says that Jehoshaphat feared when the enemy came. But I want to go back to verse 1 and pull out, pull out a nugget, pull out some fruit out of the word of God. Because we see the enemy and sometimes we get, you know, excited and, and, and aware that the enemy is against us. But I think in verse 1, God is trying to show us here today something a little deeper. A little bit deeper than just the enemy. The Bible says, and it came to pass. The first thing I want you to understand that whatever trial is in your life, it has come to pass. And I'm not just saying this for good preaching. Watch this. It came to pass is a phrase synonymous with the word crisis. Everybody say crisis. Change. What God is showing us in this scripture is that change is inevitable. And sometimes change doesn't feel good. If you look throughout the scriptures and chronicles, there's plenty of change going on. There's change of order, change of government, institutions, changes of kings. And we can see that in every change, there's a crossroad. In every change, right, a king is known for serving God or being evil. It was in the turn of life where things really happened. Another word for crisis is the moment of truth. It's when we see if you really believe what you preach. Do you really believe that Jesus Christ is Lord and that he loves you? What do you say when you're married for 20 years and on year 21 after your anniversary, your husband comes in with papers of divorce and says, I'm leaving. What do you do? This is real life things that, 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 that happens in life. What do you do when you preach healing? You lay hands on the sick for years. You go to the doctor for a regular checkup. And you find out you have cancer. Crisis. Change. What do you do? When you send your children to Sunday school before they can even speak a word, they've been going to church, and you try your best to raise them in a godly way, and they get bigger, go to high school, and they're doing things that even the worst of worse haven't done. What do you do when the school calls you and tells you that your son is in jail? What do you do when these things happen? These, these are crises. This is change. You see, as people of God, we are not exempt from change. We are not exempt from crisis. It's in the crisis, in the moment of truth is when God shows up the best. Praise the Lord. It's in the crisis when we really see if we're in the faith. Crisis is certain to happen. Psalm 35 says this, Psalm chapter 30 Verse 5, Bible Quizzers, Ch chapter 30, verse 5 says this. For the anger 
for his anger, God, endureth but a moment. It shall come to pass. In his favor is life. Weeping may endure for the night. That's the crisis. That's the change. But joy cometh in the morning. Crisis is a must. Crisis is going to happen. But God says, if you hold on to my unchanging hand, joy will come in the new day, in the new season. Amen. Psalm 126, verse 5 and 6, five and six says this. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. Crisis. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing, I love this, precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. What is it saying? He that go forth weeping. He that go forth weeping but has the word of God in him, the hope of his word in his heart. As you go forth weeping, shall doubtless come back rejoicing. The word of God in the journey, in the turn, in the change will cause you to come back with your hands lifted up, rejoicing and saying, God is my God. He is my refuge. I was down, but now he has lifted me up and brought me to a high place. Everybody say change. Winston Churchill says this, never let a good crisis go to waste. Never. It's going to happen, people of God. You see, God makes promises, but we have to understand that in life, we are dealing with variables, things that could be changed. We're dealing with variables like governments and, and um, institutions. Man's government is not forever. The only kingdom that's forever is his kingdom. Amen. So there's changes of leadership. We see in the Bible change, and, and in life. There's changes in our bodies. Amen. One minute you're strong. You're playing basketball all day. And then you get a little older. Your knees are hurting. You can't play two games. Can I get an amen from somebody? <laughs> right? Or if you're a woman, you know, you're, you're older and your body's changing and, and emotions. You see, especially in relationships that also are variables and people are variables, in relationships, a lot of times we lose each other in the turn. We lose each other. You married him or her when she was 21, but now she's 37, he's 37, things are different. But because of lack of communication, in the turn is where you lose him. Especially us men. No one taught us to deal with change. We hardly see older men successfully die old. We die young as men because the enemy wants to kill the man. So we don't have a classroom of, of, of dealing with change. What we do during change is we shut down. When our bodies begin to act different, right? When things aren't working anymore and, and, and we're gaining weight and we're confused about our careers and where we are in life, we shut down. We don't talk about it. So you're seeing us shutting down, and you take offense to it, my sisters. And you say, oh, he's wicked. I can't stand him. Not understanding that he's in a crisis like everyone else. 
And to my brothers, your wife, she had dreams. She had, she had, she had ambition. And then the kids came. And she lost herself in the kids, lost her, her identity. And she's working, working hard for you, working hard for the kids. And there's change, but because we're so busy doing our own thing, we don't see it and we take offense that she's not involved in our dreams. It's because she's in a turn. But we don't take the time to communicate. I love you, Patrice. I love you, baby. <laughs> I love you. So in the crisis, in the change is where things happen. What are we going to do? And all these variables, all these changes I mentioned, a lot of changes, a long list, there is one thing in life that will never change, and that's God. Through all the changes, all the variables, the only absolute thing that we have, people of God, is the rock of our salvation. That word rock in the Bible means stability. He stabilizes everything. When the disciples were in the boat and the crisis was outside the boat, the one thing they had for, going for them is that they had the stabilizer with them in the ship. It's important to have the stabilizer, the rock, in the ship with you as you're journeying in life. It's important that you have the absolute thing, the thing that cannot change. The Bible says in the book of Malachi, chapter 3, verse 6, he says, For I am the Lord, and I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. The reason you're not consumed today is because your God does not change. You may change, but he never will. And he has said to you today that I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. Let's praise God for that promise. Hallelujah, Jesus. We love you, God. You are absolute, Jesus. You are absolute, God. You are the rock of our salvation. Therefore, we will not fear when the enemy comes. We will not fear when crisis hit. We will not fear in the turn of life because we have the master with us who does not change. Praise God. Verse 3 says that Joseph had feared, and here is what he did in the turn. And here is what God wants us to do in our turn when things happen to us that we can't explain. He said this, and Jehoshaphat feared, verse 3, and it says, he set himself to seek the Lord. Someone say stand. Stand. That word set in the Hebrew is nathan, and it means to stand. It means to devote oneself. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13, it reads, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God in the crisis, that ye may be able to withstand what? The evil day, the change, the crisis, and having done all to stand, period. Stand, therefore, verse 14 says. After you have stand, position yourself, predetermine in your heart that no matter what I'm going through, I'm going to hold on to Jesus. No matter what goes on that I can't explain, 
I'm going to continue to come to the house of the Lord. I'm not going to isolate myself. I'm going to continue to lift up my hands without wrath and doubt and give the God of heaven and earth the praise he deserves. Come on, somebody. Somebody stand right now for Jesus. Let's be prophetic. Let's prophesy by standing and say, God, I stand. Although he left, I stand. Although she left, I stand. I stand for righteousness. I stand for you, God, because you are the Lord of the harvest. You are the God of my salvation. And I will worship you, God. I will worship you, Lord. And I will praise you in the turn. I will praise you, God, in the crisis. For you are my God and my family's God. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. We prophesy, God, that we will stand and we shall be victorious in the name of the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. We love you, God. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. God is leading us. You may be seated. God is leading us, this church, from the visitors to the members to those that are watching online. He's leading us somewhere. He's leading us somewhere. A lot of us in here are going to possess the possession. The things that was prophesied for years is coming to pass. But, how, but how, much, how many of you know that it takes energy and strength and faith to possess? If you read the word of God, and this is not my notes, it's just me flowing now in the Holy Ghost. But if you're reading the word of God, you will see that the harvest, reaping the harvest, took great energy. And for us to reap, for us to possess what God has given us and spoken already, we have to stand. We have to stand. We can't sit back and allow God to do everything because he will not. He says, whatever you put your hands to do, I'll bless. In this apostolic church, we follow the word of God. We believe in his word. And he says that whatever your hands do, I'll bless. It takes planning. It takes being prepared to receive what God has given you before you receive it. You see, planning and writing down the vision making, and, and making it plain is the highest level of faith. You're saying, God, I'm planning to possess the possession. And I'm strategically, God, in your wisdom, in your knowledge, planning to do this. God is taking us somewhere, people of God. So the question is, what are we standing against? And here's the answer. We're standing not so much against the power of the enemy. He has no power against the church. Christ himself says that I've given you power, authority, over all the power of the enemy. We have authority because we are citizens of the kingdom of the greatest nation in the world. Our king is Christ himself. He said, I've given you authority over all authority. So it's not really him that we're fighting so much. We're wrestling, but not really fighting him. He's wrestling us. He's on our legs. Like, come on, get off of me. That's it. Amen. So what's the, what's the fight? It's against imaginations. Everybody say that, imaginations. Imaginations. 
one of, one of the greatest nations that, that we don't speak about is our own imaginations and every high thing. The Bible says in, in Corinthians 10, 4 through 6, it says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down what? Imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against what we know of God. And bringing, we're, we're doing this now, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of the anointed one, Christ. And having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. What's stopping you and me or trying to stop us from receiving what God has for us in this, in this turn is our own thoughts, our own negative thoughts about our, our, ourselves, the lies, the opinions of others, the opinions of the devil, hindering us from believing the word and report of the Lord. The Bible declares that Abraham pleased God because Abraham believed. It wasn't that he was righteous and so perfect, but when God said, said go, he went. When God said turn, he turned. He believed God that, that he even was willing to offer up his own son as a sacrifice, knowing that the one that asked him to offer him up was able to raise him again. Praise God. He staggered not like a drunk man of the promises of God, but he held strong to faith. And God says, because you believe me, Abraham, you're righteous now. It's like God took out the scroll and, and looked at righteousness, all the, the points for righteousness, and he couldn't meet it. He said, you know what, forget this. You're righteous. You believe me. I love you. God wants us to possess. He wants to lead you. He wants you to have joy and peace in your mind, in your life, in your family. But we have to believe. We have to stand and believe the Lord. Verse 4 of Chronicles says, And Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord. Even out of all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. And that word seek means to resort to a frequent place, to seek God in prayer and in worship. They did what we could do today. We're able to pray and worship like, like, like Jehoshaphat. We can pray and God will hear us. In Hebrews 4.16 it says, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. What did Jehoshaphat do? I have to close soon. We have a new time schedule and I have to close. But what did Jehoshaphat do? How did he seek the Lord? We see it in verse 5 through 11. It was his prayer. And here it is. It says in verse 6, and said, oh, he said, Jehoshaphat, he said, oh, Lord God of our fathers, art not thou God in heaven? And ruleth not thou over all the kingdoms of the heathen? And in thy hand is there not power and might so that none is able to withstand? What's more important than, than his prayer is the pattern of prayer. Some of us have gone down in prayer in the turn, in the crisis, and came up feeling worse than before. 
Isn't that true? Raise your hand. No, don't raise your hand. But isn't that true? It is. Let's be honest. Sometimes we find our spot. We go down for, for 30 seconds and we get up feeling the same way because we can't pray because we just feel down. And this morning, God is aware of that. And he has a word for you. It's a pattern of prayer. It's, a, it's the pattern. It's how we approach him that makes the difference. Number one, we see Jehoshaphat. First thing he does, he magnifies God over his challenges. First thing. Number two, he glorified God for what he has already done for him in the past. That's how God wants us to pray. Number three, he reminds God of the covenant they had, they, they had made in his name and the promise of protection from the enemy. It's like saying, God, I'm baptized in your name. I, I, Lord God, I, I received your spirit. I belong to you, Jesus. That's how we pray. Then lastly, he makes his request to God. Last thing, he encouraged himself by magnifying God over all his troubles first. When you leave here today and pray again in your turn, in your crisis that you're in right now, follow those steps. Follow them. Magnify God first. Glorify him for what he has done before. Remind him of the covenant that you have with him and the protection he promised. And then make your request known unto him. And the God of all comfort will comfort you. And God will answer your prayers. What is the most essential part of prayer? It's not us rehearsing our problems, but isn't it the answer? Isn't it hearing the voice of God? That's what we desire in prayer. We desire a response from him. We want the Lord to hear us and respond. So why do we get up so fast? Why do we leave that, that spot so quickly without hearing the word of God? My last point, and we can all stand. We can all stand. I'm going to close with this. Praise God. The last point that I want to emphasize in all this, in standing the standoff with God and believing God, is that even today, as we worship God, because the word has gone forth, what God is going to do in your life, people of God, he's going to give you a strategy. Everybody say strategy. After you have prayed today and you say, God, I believe you, it's very important that we listen, listen to the shepherd's voice. He wants to give you a plan, a strategy. And when he speaks to you, it could be through, through a person in church. As we see in the narrative, Jehaziel rose up because the Spirit of God ascended on him. And Jehaziel gave the word to the people of God, but it was the word of God. Whatever God's going to do in your life, he's going to use someone to do it. The Bible says that, the, that every member, every joint supplieth the need. God uses your brother, your sister to bless you, to give you the strategy, to give you the word of encouragement. That's why we have the gift of prophecy and the word of knowledge and the word of wisdom. These gifts are the prophet withal. So as we come to the front to pray, and music, if you come now, please. As we pray at the altar, we're not just doing something religious. 
We're not just doing something to fill the time. But now we're asking God, Lord, I'm in a change. I'm in a crisis. And I need you, Lord. I'm standing on your truth. I'm standing on your promises. But I need to know what to do next. And God is going to give you a strategy. He is going to give you the answer that you have been waiting for. There's some of you here today, it's your first time in a church service for, for a very long time. You haven't gone to church in a while, but something drew you here today. Something drew you into the sanctuary. And I want to let you know what it is. It's the Spirit of the Lord. He's calling you again. He's calling you back unto himself. The things that you have been struggling with, the things that you have been hiding deep in your heart, he hears and he sees. And he wants to give you a strategy. He wants to give you something to hold on to. So as you go forth weeping, you will have precious seed. And the Bible says you will doubtless come back rejoicing in the name of Jesus. There's some of you here, you're struggling in your marriage. Your spouse is in a turn. You are in a turn. And you can't understand what to do or what happened. And today God wants to give you strength for your marriage. He says what, what he has put together, let no man separate. The God of Israel is here. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is here. And he wants to bless you. Music, if you come please. In the name of Jesus. But you know what? We don't need music. If you can open up our mouth right now, open your mouth right now and begin to call on Jesus. Hallelujah. Lord God, we are your instruments of righteousness. Lord God, we love you, Lord. We need you, God. To be honest, Lord, we don't know what to do, God. But we look unto you, Jesus. We go, God, some of us here desire to be in the house of God, but your job has you tied up. It is not God's will that a job to have you tied up where you cannot worship. And God says, today, I'm going to give you a strategy. I'm going to show you what to do next to release you so you may worship freely in the name of Jesus Christ. Your kids may be acting up. Maybe your kids are acting a fool and you're saying, God, I need, I need wisdom on how to raise my children. Help me, God. Today, he is here. Our everlasting father is here. He knows how to parent rebellious children. He knows how to guide rebellious people and fix them up and bring them back again. And God wants to give you wisdom to be a good father. He wants to give you wisdom to be a good parent. But it's up to you now to praise, to reach out to God and say, Lord, I need help. Lord, I need you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, church. Hallelujah. We worship you, God. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, God. Oh, Jesus, we love you, Lord. We love you. Jehoshaphat had a strategy from God. He put praise before him. He said, God, I'm going to put praise before me because I believe you, Lord. Come on, can we do it now? Let's put a praise before us. A praise unto God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus.
love you, Lord. We magnify you, Jesus. We put a praise before you. We put a praise before you. We don't feel like praising sometimes, God. So we give you a sacrifice of praise. A sacrifice, Lord. Receive it, Lord. Bless it, Lord. Receive our sacrifice of praise. We have not been in your word all week, but God, receive my praise. We haven't prayed all week, God, but receive my praise. I'm here, Lord. Have mercy on me, Jesus. Love us, Lord. Protect us, God. Show us, Lord. Be a light for us, Jesus. Jesus. 